0: Uh, the episode summaries for these two episodes and not much else I think. Uh, we haven't really got any new characters because they really They really front load them all. Yeah, I think the only one is that Zillard. The the lady who's looking for her brother Dallas. Uh, Eve? Eve. Eve da- we, haven't seen, we haven't seen before these two episodes. Eve, Dallas, Zillard. Have we not seen Dallas yet? We have now but we had not before these two episodes. I thought he was talking to Dallas in the Fero was talking to Dallas. Oh no, no. No, that was luck. That was hey fun. everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. That's part of the episode now. What? <laughs> uh, this is Jojo's World, our Jojo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast where today we are recapping and discussing episodes three and four of Baccano. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, one of the other co-hosts. And this is Jojo's World. It's Jojo's World and we are jojo's world are we we are you can be whatever you want to be nick i want to be a big uh like a you know like those really big balls you can buy oh dear you know those like big balls that are like inflatable that you can buy that you get in yeah that you get in and you roll around in yeah i want to just be one of those balls it's a simple quaint life you just sit there and then people get inside you to have a good time and then you just you just sit there forever you're not biodegradable and other things vor fetishists say (laughs) Liam. <laughs> Why doesn't this... So the fandom wiki is just entirely unresponsive. <laughs> Liam desperately smashing his middle finger into it going, I have a podcast to record, you jags. There's a trivia drop down, but it does not drop down. There's an edit button. Maybe the edit button will unlock its secrets. Maybe someone just made this fandom wiki and was like, ah, oh, someone else will fill it out. I mean, it's very pop. Maybe there's actually no trivia to speak of. Hey, Nick, what's new? Uh, you ne- know. Never mind. I can tell it's not going to be a good answer. <laughs> I mean... Everything has been slow and monotonous this last week. I've had to deal with problems that are so boring, so tedious. And then on Thursday, I realized that I had to watch an episode of Bacano, but didn't know how the fuck I was going to do it. And it turns out, you know how two weeks ago we were like, man, we got to find Bacano. Yep. And we couldn't find it? Yep. That problem still exists. Yeah, it's not a, not a, Bicano, you're not an easy man to find. <laughs> Hi, my name is James Bacano. <laughs> Coming soon to NBC, Bacano. He's a bumbling private investigator and he needs to win his stepdaughter's affection. Bacano. Please, it's just for Melissa, boss. I just need a little little cut on the pay. Come on. Bacano, you're not an easy man to find. I know, I'm really bad at advertising. Anyway, that's Bacano. That's Bacano. The one, the only, the Bacano. Nick, today we watched episode three of Bacano. Did we? Yes. You know who else watched episode three of Picano? Episode three of Bacano is brought to you by... <laughs> Le Master. Le Master. L-E, Space Master. The French version of famous Doctor Who nemesis, The, the master. master. You know, I never understood The Master. What What's his deal? He's just a sinister villain. But, like, why? Like, okay, what are you actually asking me here? So, like, I understand the idea of, oh, he's a little bit crazy, right? Yeah. But, like... So if we're going back to the 1970s when John Pertwee was the third Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to introduce a nemesis for him. Because in that era, uh, Doctor Who was stranded on Earth working with the United Nations Intelligence Task Force, or UNIT. And the show took a sort of still very alien sci-fi, but sort of keying into the popular spy-fi fiction of the day. Ah, I see. Uh, So they wanted to give him a recurring nemesis. And for his introductory season, the master was behind or associated with every sinister plot. I see see. Uh, and they called him the master because uh, A, he had hypnotic abilities, but B, uh, it was like a comparison to like, you know, you get your masters and you get your doctorate. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So the doctor is still smarter than the master. Uh, that's why he outwits him at every turn. There's a really ah. good bit in, I want to say, the brain of Morbius or something like that. <laughs> In okay. which uh, the master, the doctor goes to see the master in prison because they finally got him. Yep. And the doctor walks in and is like, hey, the master, I know you've taken over this prison with your hypnotic abilities. And the master's like, oh, no, I haven't. And then they talk for a bit and he's like, guess what, doctor? I've taken over this prison with my hypnotic abilities. And he's like, I know, I just said that. And then they do this thing where they sword fight, but they're also eating each other's sandwiches. Uh... are you (laughs) sure it's not just finishing each other's sentences no they're finishing each other's sandwiches (laughs) literally in this case (laughs) well okay and that's what 70s era doctor who was like okay follow-up question the master's name is it master or is it the master well it's master in the same way that he's doctor when you're talking to him i guess you wouldn't walk up to him and say hey the doctor I guess. But like no one walks up to him and says, Hey, Doc, either. Like, no. There's no real nickname for him. In, I want to say, episode one of Doctor Who, uh, Ian Chesterton says to him, Oh, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you, Doctor Foreman. And he says, Hey, Doctor Who? What you talking about? And that's why the show's called what it's called. Ugh. Disgusting. But you know who isn't disgusting? We're not here to talk about Doctor Who, because I'd rather kill myself. We're here uh, to talk about <laughs> La Master. The Master. Thank you for your support. You are a valued part of our whole operation here yeah you're you're integral to our whole operation you have taken over the prison that is our hearts (laughs) and we have mind controlled that prison and we are eating your sandwiches while we sword fight but you already know that don't you you can hear the foley work of the swords that we are swinging at each other right now cling 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 (laughs) cling cling cling. that's what swords sound like
1: (laughs) Beautiful.
0: <laughs> Today we watched episode three of Baccano, and episode four, but for now episode three. Mm-hmm. Randy and Pezzo are busy getting ready for the party. In 1933, Eve Genoard searches for her missing brother Dallas. In 1930, an immortality elixir is lost by its alchemist owner. <gasps> In 1931, the train is doubly hijacked. I thought it was triply hijacked, but hey, what do I know? I mean, there was a third attempt, yeah, but he backed down. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. That's a good bit. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, Nick, what did you think of this episode first and foremost? I was confused. Okay. What I was it confusing? Um, Too many moving parts or? Simultaneously, so many moving parts, so many different characters doing different things. Nothing's really intertwined yet. It's just a whole lot of like, here's this other person doing something, and we know they're connected to this person somehow. So, here's what I think is a pretty safe bet at this point in the show okay I'm pretty sure that from this point on I mean it does a lot of like black screen with white numbers saying the year but aside from that I'm pretty sure from this point on if we see something that's not on the train Mm -hmm. it's in 1930 or 1931 or in some rare cases much earlier Okay, but if it's not on the train, it's probably before the train at this stage. Okay, what year was the train? Like 1931. Okay, yes, that makes because some if sense. you recall, uh, the vice director and Carol, Carol, first became aware of immortality in November 1931 when they first started investigating these incidents. Mm. So it seems fair that the in- the the events of the flying pussyfoot hijack uh, <laughs> would be the instigating factor there. Mmm. Or so one would or imagine. Or so you would think. And yet Bacano's so much more than that. What a tangled web we Bacano. What a hot mess of a soup they are. Nick, do you have any more observations from the opening sequence? Um, I like that the, next, uh, the, the previous episode... Bit. Previously on Barkino. Uh Happens in the middle of the opening. Yeah, so it, Very much it that. kicks in like uh, halfway through and then we come back out of it, back into that that smooth jazz sax as we see Nice Holy Stone and Jacuzzi Splot running from a bunch of explosions. Just a good like... Gets the energy way back up. <coughs> and then you just got people on the top saying, what just, if immortality is immortality? Were you just doing Battle Tendency... <laughs> Have I subconsciously turned the Barcano theme into <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba>? <laughs> I mean it's very possible. Okay, are there any more characters from the opening that you're a bit confused about? Okay. I know Ennis now. We all know Ennis, we all love Ennis. <laughs> Everyone loves Ennis. <laughs> what isn't there to love about Ennis? Isaac and Maria, and I see Ennis. Yep. Fira is waiting with Ennis to meet Isaac and Maria. Uh Sean is not Shane. Ennis. I think it's Shane. We talked about Shane, this last Sian, time Shane, one of the two. She's but also, I was a... paying attention to the audio today, and the Japanese audio does definitely say, like, Charnay. Ooh, what if she's Francais? Charnay. Well, uh, and also, we, talk, we We called her uh, Shane Laforette last time, which I was kicking myself at, because, of course, if they're French, it's most likely Lafourette. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, whoops. Yep, so so we got Charnay. Shane. Yeah, she hasn't really done or said anything yet. Yeah, she's just sort of looked at people and then walked away. She's there with the leader of the um, the Huey cult. Yeah, uh, who the leader of which I'm pretty sure we've learnt this week is named Mister Goose. (laughs) Which is it's 1931. Oh my god, you're a horrible goose on a train. (laughs) Honk honk, motherfuckers, let's take this motherfucker. We learnt a bit more about Lua Klein this these two episodes. know if we learned Lad- more. I mean, she spoke a bit. She did speak, yes. We learned a bit about her relationship with Ladrasso. Wait, yes. No, you're right. Yes. No, I'm thinking of a different episode. Okay. Yes, you're correct. We did learn more about her. And Isaac and Maria three. are just still doing whatever it is they do. Jacuzzi splot, nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Before we get into, yeah, he wasn't, didn't really do much. No, for a man with such scarring on his face, he doesn't do anything. We basically just, in These two episodes we're talking about today, pretty much all we saw of Jacuzzi was that thing we saw last week when he bumps into Lad Mm. as he's coming out of the cabin. How very interesting that that should be the child who bumps into Lad Russo. Oh my god. So... I shared this with you before we started watching today, but I checked out the Barkano dub a little, and Mm. I'm I'm very delighted to report that it has strong Jojo dub energy in the the vast array of Pan-American accents being put on display. We watched the scene of uh, Isaac and Maria and simultaneously the young conductor telling the ghost story of the rail tracer. And just... So we heard the voices of um, Isaac... Mm -hmm. Maria Mm -hmm. uh, Jacuzzi Jacuzzi Splot, Yep The the young conductor And the old conductor And the scream of nice Slash niece niece. Not in any accent But a nice little scream anyway Uh, So I love the young conductor's Like full on Mayor Quimby uh, JFK Chicago Or Boston accent Boston? Yep (laughs) Yep. Uh, He's very much like If you park the car The rail tracer Will make you disappear oh geez what does that do buddy (laughs) and then jacuzzi oh sweet jacuzzi (laughs) he's um he's got a chicago accent i think i'm not an expert on american accents but i think that's what that was but it's also if you put it in a blender with um morty from rick and morty (laughs) uh the rail tracer rail tracer's gonna make the train disappear rick god it's just right in my ears That's him. That's, That's Jacuzzi. definitely him. The man we all love. The most pathetic universal being in the universe. What a guy. But apparently he has kind of a hardcore backstory we learned this week. D- well, no, I think he just it's, has it's been, been vaguely alluded to. Yeah, it just sounds like he's pulling a vash where he's been mistaken for. Well, I think he and niece and their friends who are not in the opening, so we don't remember their names, <laughs> uh, they're sort of part of some... I think they're part of some sort of like anarchist group or something. Maybe? That's the impression I'm getting. They run away from an explosion in the intro, so yeah. maybe that implies that they're blind. Well, and niece out. is covered in burn scars, too. Mm, true. And one of them is wearing a bandana. I Very don't think that's important. one of them. I think she's... Su- Wait, are we talking about the same bandana? Yeah. The mysterious green bandana girl? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's not with them. Who the fuck is she? She's the free agent. Oh my god. Okay, we kick off this episode. It's episode three. It's 1932. Episode three. Randy and Petso are getting ready for the party. <laughs> That's the name of this episode. Is this? Yeah, we talked about this last time. Oh my god. Eve Genoard sits on a dock that is being dredged. Uh, the The port is being dredged for for detritus. Um, jetsam, I suppose. What are these words? Do you mean uh, debris? Jetsam. What, what is jetsam? Cargo that sinks as opposed to flotsam, which is cargo overboard that floats. Oh. Plotsam and Jetsam. Wow, is that actually what it is? Yeah, that's two n- kinds of Neopets. Today I learned a thing about Neopets and marine technology. So she's on the dock, and her old butler is like, Miss, it's not good for your health to be out on the dock in this cold, but I must find my brother. And the, yeah, they're dredging. Nick, what, what do you think has happened to Dallas Genoa? You know I'll give you a hint there's a clue in the opening. Uh, uh, he mi- he might have drowned? possibly but at the same time for all i know dallas is actually just a mortal i don't know right oh, what an interesting theory you've espoused there nick oh. let's see if it bears out <laughs> so either he's drowned or maybe he's gone missing he's definitely gone missing no one knows where he that's is that's true literally no one knows where the fuck he is but like i don't know i don't know if he's just decided i'm gonna fake my own death i'm gonna die i'm gonna who knows i'm gonna hijack a train i'm gonna hijack a train throw it into the river i'm gonna dye my hair blonde and start calling myself lad (laughs) i'm I'm gonna dye my hair blonde put on a top hat and call myself isaac gustave (laughs) saint-germain i'm gonna call myself cheslov Cheslov. And I'm going to try to weasel my way into this family. (laughs) I'm going to start moisturising and uh, act like a real kid. Hello, mother. It is me, Cheslaw. Hello, I am a child. Uh, son, why are you so tall suddenly? Mother, question not my bearing. So it's 1931 and we are at the offices of the Daily Days, which is, of course, the newspaper that Carol Carol. and Gustave Saint-Germain, the vice president work for. Fucking (laughs) Saint-Germain. What a good coincidence, right? Oh my god, amazing. (laughs) I really hope, really hope this is just a, a theme running through the Joker's World podcast from here on out. There's but always a Saint-Germain. Listeners, tweet at us with your favourite anime Saint-Germains. It's like all the tweets are just, these are literally the only two that have a Saint-Germain. I also would not be surprised by that. <laughs> but that would be insane. Oh. So, it's the Daily Days. It's 1931. Couple of mobsters come in. Hey, we're looking for information about... Dallas Giannard. Hello. Genoard. Genoard. Hello. My name's Nicholas. I work at the English desk. Oh, do you now, just? I did a bit of um, Barkano wiki reading last night. Because oh. I, I I got a wild theory up my brain for a sec that um, sufficient time had passed that Nicholas here was the director in the future, mm-hmm. the vice director, speaks to Carol. Yeah. Yeah. I was mistaken, but I feel like they have different... They conduct, they conduct themselves with similar energy. Would you agree? Similar arrogance and, oh, you want information? Mm. Let me trap you in my logic. So I learned that apparently um, a majority of the staff of the Daily Days is... Chinese. That's why he specifies he works the English desk. Ah, there you go. Right. I wonder if that's ever explained in the anime. I doubt it. Just, oh, I work the English desk. He also taught them all how to operate firearms, as we'll see in this scene. Yep. So, the Daily Days, it's a newspaper, but it's also a underworld information broker. And Nicholas is here to broker some information to these two rude runeradas. He basically starts by saying, oh, you want information. Oh. Oh, you must work for Gustavo Runarata, huh? And two of them are like, excuse me, you said what now? How oh, do you know this? I know these things because I work for an information shop. Uh-huh. Well, you better give uh, us some sorry, information. Sorry, this was the darby would be like, hey, I, w- I know these things because I work for the information shop, huh? <laughs> Come on, have a pastrami sandwich. We'll swap some information. Hey, I'm walking here. What I love is that as soon as you started doing the accent, you strained very difficult. Like, your eyes are just like, I can pull this look, off. Look, Nick, I'm not, I'm not, it's well established I'm not an accent guy. Yeah. However, I do know that when you were doing any sort of voice work, you've got to follow through with the body. But how is, like, closing your eyes more? It's the New Yorker expression. Is it? Know? Yeah, it's cold out here. I don't want to look anyone in the eyes. Oh. I'm hardened by my life here in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, New York. Nah, that makes sense now. Yeah, I just thought you were like, "Ah, I can do this. I work for the Daily Day. Oh gosh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm melting." Do you know Dallas Genuart? Yes, the second son of the famous genoard family, Dallas. He's a real piece of shit. We're going to hear that a lot he in the next few episodes. Yeah, he describes him as a notorious juvenile delinquent whose whereabouts are currently unknown. Ooh. The Runarados want to know where he is because if you recall last episode, um, that like shitty angry mob guy killed Dallas' father and brother and got a tip from someone claiming to be Dallas... But they knew he did it. Mm. So now they want to kill Dallas. Yes, yes, that was the the boss man who was sitting in his chair being yeah and, and and um unimmune. Gustavo. no, yeah, it was Gustavo. Mm. yeah, yep, I remember now. Yes, it's all coming back to me. Barkono. Barker. What a tangled web we weave. Yeah, a tangled web, much like the web of railroads that crisscross this great nation. <laughs> <laughs> Big, beautiful train. <laughs> Man, you could really say it's a big train or a um, B-team. Nick, I'm very excited to share that. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very excited to share. Um, of course, I'm a longstanding fan of the Dragon Friends Australian d d podcast uh, and the sort of associated web of comedians and performers mm-hmm. who go on that or... Yeah. Are friends with the people. Just to name a few, we got um, that guy who went to clown college. Tom Walker. We got that guy who, uh, his whole shtick is that he worked for SBS for a while. Michael Hing. Michael Hing. (laughs) His whole shtick that he says sociopath. Yep. Uh, We got the Tim Curry wannabe. Tim Curry wannabe. You know, what's her face? Um, I can't remember her name, but that one. I'm really drawing a blank on this one. (laughs) And then we got um, that other guy. Anyway, so... um, Dave Dungeon Dave Harmon has recently started Twitch streaming. Yeah. I'm very excited to report that at the end of his um, stream sessions, usually around 11pm AEST. AEST. Australian Eastern Standard Time. The time of Sydney and or Melbourne. He does what he calls a guest lecture on the Andrew Lloyd Webber train musical, Starlight Express. (laughs) Is this after every stream? Like once a week. Okay. All right. Tell me more. Uh, he talk. He usually highlights one song or one particular batch of characters. I mean, it's a cat style musical. I think so. You know, okay. the character comes on and sings a song about them, and then becomes much less relevant. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a character-driven exposition. So Starlight, drama. yeah, Starlight Express is cats, but about trains, and also all the performers are on roller skates. I'm just a CB1 model of train, I drive myself with a coal-based. There's engine. also a race element to the show. And <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, I should read. Well, um, well, actually. Ooh. I meant that in the sense of a skating race. However, there also seems to be a pretty heavy racial element to the show <laughs> because it's about like the all-American like Union Express or whatever. Yeah. But then there's a whole heap of foreign trains that also participate in the race. What the hell okay? Like the Japanese train is called Nintendo. Oh my god. Okay, sure. <laughs> anyway, Starlight Express, big beautiful train, flying pussyfoot, we're back on board. <laughs> Alrighty, sure. And the reason I brought that up was to recommend people check that out. It's a good stream. Tell them JoJo's World sent you. (laughs) (laughs) Like one guy's like, JoJo's World sent me. He's like, who the hell is JoJo's World? Breaks our hearts. So it's 500 bucks for info on Dallas. Plus he wants to know in return, why they're looking for him. What? You don't get money out of us. We're oh. from the goddamn family. Yeah, we're the Runarados. They t- they move to pull out their guns and then everyone in the... In the entire building yeah, pulls so, out a gun. So to, cl- to set the scene, it's like a busy office and there's uh, Nicholas here at the English desk and then behind him is just a room full of people typing and smoking. Yeah. And then at this moment, they all have guns. <laughs> and they're all pointing them at and the Runarada And they're like, taking cover behind filing cabinets and like they're ready for a fight. You've got to be ready for a fight when you do business with the mafia. Nick, it Exposits, you gotta be ready for anything in our line of work when you know the information we know. When you're a podcaster, you've gotta be ready for anything. That's why I keep my assault rifle on me at all times, hidden in a safe. Nick, it's 1930. (gasps) <gasps> Dallas Gennward and his unnamed thugs are walking down an alleyway. Wait, that's Dallas? Yeah, it's Dallas. This whole Did you time? not pick up that that was Dallas? No. It's kind of the whole thing of this these few scenes, Nick. Oh, okay. So, he's like a street tough essentially? Yep. He wears like a red blazer. You can see the suspenders there under it. Yeah, kind of a plain white shirt. And he just basically seems to spend all his time strutting down alleyways and getting into fights. With his buddies. Yeah. So someone flicks out a cigarette and it hits Dallas in his shirt and he's like, Hey, asshole! The hell you want from me? Oh, don't pick a fight with me. I'm part of the Runarada family. Pfft, the Runarada family. I'm Dallas Punch in face. And then he just beats him to a pulp, pretty much. Yep, but he gets stopped by a conveniently showing up Luck Gandor. (gasps) Luck Gandor? Who, of course, is the one who spoke to Firo in the poetry shop and then got shot up. Yep. And Luck is like, hey, this is Gandor turf. Don't be name-dropping the uh, Runaradas around here. And then, like, that guy limps away. And he's all like, I'll never do it again. I'll never see him again. uh, He says to uh, Dallas, hey, maybe don't be a big asshole on our turf. And he's like, whatever, I'm a big asshole. (laughs) It's 1931, the train. It's chug a along. Lad and Lua are dancing like a waltz in their cabin. And Lad begins to explain how he just loves murder, he just loves killing, but more importantly, he could kill himself right now if it made Lua happy. They've got to- no, kill her right now. Oh. They've got a um a real mansplaining dynamic in that he talks a lot and she doesn't talk much. And, and when he she... says the same things over and over again. <laughs> and when she says anything, he just goes, yes, all. Or <laughs> I could explain it better. So he's so excited that he's going to get to kill people because he's a psychopath. He's, I'm he's for... just a broken assassin man. And he just exposits like, oh, he, he's very sad that, um, oh, who was it? Like Nikki or Vicky or whatever, drew the straw to, go, to get to go and start the hold up. Mm. So he's dancing to try and liven his spirits and he exposits that he his his overall motivation mm-hmm. is to kill everyone that wants to ki- to live more than Lua. Yep. And then kill Lua. Now, when I heard this, uh, given Lua's expression and general demeanour, I thought, so everyone. Yeah. And then she says with her, like, hooded eyes and, like, soft voice, I don't mind if you kill me now, lad. I'm fucked up. (laughs) I've got nothing to lose, buddy. (laughs) No, no, no. I've got to kill you last. Hey, Lua, remember how I told you I'd kill you last? That was the truth. Hmm. There you go. He's a man of his word. He hates that people want to live more than her because he loves her in his sick way. It's weird. It's very It's very weird, this yeah. rationale. Well, there are a couple of fucked up weirdos. <laughs> 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 you know... I'm not wrong. You know, we could say maybe they should get help. Or we could just say, wow, what a fucked up demeanour. I'm so sad. Like, he's got... He really, um... He exudes that real psychopathic energy. Uh, Oh, yeah, true. I was going to say that he he really, like, has his extreme highs and lows emotion-wise and just sort of turns on a dime. Like, he starts crying and slamming the bed. Like, I'm so sad that Vicky gets to go and do the hold-up. He must have killed God. And then they just go, well, you know, you could just go kill people as well. You're right. I can just go have a look. He steps out of the room, bumps into jacuzzi. Oh, he also, like really violently tousles her head for a while and she doesn't look like she's enjoying it. Like a dog, you know, when you're just like, good boy. Yeah, bumps into Jacuzzi and he's like, wait a minute, boy. boy. And brief flashback to something we'll see in next episode where we see what looks like a wanted poster with Jacuzzi's face on it. Ooh, things are getting very interesting Bacano, Uh, Hey, Lua and unnamed henchman, can you guys go check up on that kid in the conductor's cabin and take him hostage if you need to? Sure can, boss. That's right, it's me, Lua Klein. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) Hey, I'm living here. I don't know if that's a good accent, but okay. If I don't release myself soon, I'll explode, he says. Is that actually what your translation said? Yeah. If I don't release myself soon, I'll explode. Yeah, so Nick and I watched two different, but pretty (laughs) lacklustre fan subs of these episodes. Oh my god. I had some real sus phrasing in a lot of these sentences. I think mine was just like, man, this is all getting really interesting. I'm getting very excited. But like, what? Meanwhile... Uh, Like, in 1930, Mm -hmm. Randy and Petzo are getting ready for the party. Hey, question. Who are Randy and Petzo again? They're just two, like, thugs who work for the same crime family that Firo, this very night, is having his induction as one of the, Uh, uh, the executives of. That makes more sense. So they're just hanging out in an alleyway. And one of them, they're just two, like, mooks. Yeah. One of them... They hang out anyway two mooks inadvertently setting into motion a chain of events that is going to drive this 1930 plot it will change the series of the world's immortality forever yeah it's gonna see a precipitous uprising the number of immortal people in the world suddenly the immortals come they go it's like evangelion but with more life and less death so one of them mm-hmm. has a trick where he douses his... Um, his leather glove. In kerosene. Mm-hmm. And then lights it on fire. And he's like, hey, I'm fine. And he puts it on the wall. Hey, I'm fine here. Hey, I'm fine here. That's amazing, Randy. That's, hey. what, that's what I sound like. Hey, you can do it too. You just need to get some kerosene and a glove. It'll be great entertainment for the party tonight. Oh, Fero's gonna shit his pants when he sees it. Uh, and then... Little old Petzo like, goes, oh, I'll oh, do it too. I don't need a weight to get a different glove. And then Randy's no, mate, like, Oh, mate, your gloves are cotton, aren't they? And then he sets his hand on fire. <laughs> yep. And he's like, Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And while he's freaking out, a uh, brief shot of him kicking over the, the thing of kerosene. And then he gets the glove off, throws it into the ground, sets the building on fire. They run away. But I do love the bit where. They throw the glove into the kerosene. We see it start lighting on fire and then it cuts back to both of them. Yeah, no like, Are fire. you okay? you okay? No fire has started in the background. They're like, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Man, that could have gone really badly, huh? Then just this huge conflagration springs up. They both turn around. <laughs> oh, let's get out of here. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, in an underground Laboratory? torture land... <laughs> Oh yeah, true, because... It's, it's got a real sore vibe to it. It very much does. A man... Has, he's, has... Got a, um, he's got a rat tied to a, like a wooden plank, spread-eagled. Like it's like he dis- dissected it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hits it with a hammer. Slams it down onto him. And then, like we saw with Fero and Luck previously, the blood begins to suck back into the rat. And then he goes, At last, <gasps> I've my, done it. At last, my work is complete. Master Quates will be so pleased. Oh no, the whole building's on fire. Uh, so it turns out that fire was definitely just his place. Yeah. And he tries to grab uh, like a big box of bottles mm-hmm. of this Alexa, presumably. Mm-hmm. But it's too heavy for him. So he can he can't only grab it. two and he puts them in a smaller thing. And he's going to carry them with him. Yeah. And it's filled with like, you know, that, that hay stuff. Yeah, like sand or whatever. Yeah. Just stuff to stop them jumping around. Yeah. Um, and he goes out a back entrance in this underground place. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know many bases. Meanwhile. Okay, yep. Eve Genoard, her uh, maid and her butler have come to the Daily Days. <gasps> oh, it's a, it's a journalism shop. A newspaper. That's what that's called. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's that place you buy journalism. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if you're rich enough, certainly. Whoa. Oh, topical. Fucking woke. We might be able to trust them to a certain extent then. Okay, so here's I had a big question about this scene. Uh-huh. For you. Oh actually, okay. We'll do it now, even though the show cuts away after they just come in and meet Nicholas. Yes. So um the maid meets her brother who works there, I believe it was. I thought it was an old friend. Okay. Well that's me racially profiling the only two wow. black people in the show. Wow. Wait, <laughs> You know what I would say. As far as anime goes, pretty good depictions of black people. You don't see it a lot, and it's often pretty bad. I guess, yeah, they're just regular old people. Yeah, so. they're just regular people. A nice detail I noticed um, with this character. His name—I don't remember his name. Um, like Victor or something. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, I noticed. Um, Something you don't see a lot in uh, animation art of people of colour um, is that the hands are paler. The hands are paler. Which is something that's generally true to life, I believe, because yeah. of, I don't, I don't know, I'm not a biologist, but like distribution of melanin or something. Yeah. Thickness of cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so his hands are much paler than the rest of his huh. skin, which is just a nice visual detail yeah, I enjoyed. there you go. So anyway. So we don't see the poor Eve Genoard walk in and start talking. Instead... Okay, yeah, we cut to the hat shop where Firo... And Miser are buying Firo's new mafia boss fedora or trilby. Hmm. Wow, what an amazing hat shop. Oh yes, for generations the hats of the executives in our family have been chosen here. Oh, here's a green one. Oh yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I like this one. It suits you. You're already an executive now. And I got a translator's note about the Kimura. Oh. As, and it's pretty much just what we discussed last time. The Camorra is a mafia-like criminal organisation or secret society in the region of Campania and the city of Naples in Italy. Ah. Pretty much exactly what we said last time. Yep. Probably from the same Wikipedia page. <laughs> so, and as they're going out, they bump into Isaac and Maria on their way in. Cleverly disguised as upper-class citizens of yep. the highest degree. Watch where you walk, they both say. Yep, in very preposterous accents. And we'll see their half of that scene next time. Oh. Um, but that means that we know that whatever happens over the next year, mm-hmm. they Fero comes to know Isaac and Maria. Because they all knew each other when Isaac and Maria get off the train, but they don't know each other now. Yes. Yes. Unless they already do know each other and it's a cunning move. Uh, they couldn't see through that clever disguise. Exactly. As they're leaving, uh, Firo and Miser see the fire. So Firo goes to check it out. Um, uh, he leaves his companion... Miser. Miser. And he's like, just gonna have a look. Bumps right into everyone's favourite character, Anis. <gasps> Not Anis?! And she's A like. A mysterious red haired woman. And she just goes, Oh. Sorry. I'm sorry. Are you okay? I am looking for someone, so. She leaves, and Firo sees that her cufflink has fallen to the ground. Oh my god. The goddamn bit before makes so much more sense now. In episode four, when they just zoom in on oh, her. did you not understand that? No, because I forgot about the cufflink, either a cufflink or the button from her. Uh, yeah, from her cuff. Yeah. Uh, but Firo gets it and he's all like, "Hey you, hey you!" Yeah, chases after her, doesn't find her yet. She's like, "Damn it!" Meanwhile, on the train. Oh my god, it just jumps so yep. much. Time and space. <laughs> Jacuzzi bumps into his two gang members. They're like Keith and no, Keith is one of the gangles. Uh, I don't know. They just got two like really generic names. Yep. Oh no, the train's going to disappear Donnie, Donnie is one of them So niece comes out uh, Because previously we saw Fero uh, We saw Jacuzzi bump into them and keep going yep. And now niece comes like Hey, um, Donnie, you come with me We'll go get Jacuzzi Then we'll go check out the luggage room <gasps> The luggage room Nick, you take care of the dining car And Nick or, sp- Sorry, this is important Specific phrase I'm counting on you for the dining car, Nick They leave and Nick is like, oh yeah, I got that. What did she mean by that? Did she possibly mean Nick? Yeah, so this is a really cool little sequence. He yeah. he asks himself aloud, what does she mean by that? And then for every scenario he imagines, we just see like, what do you call that? Like a, a real like direct close up mm-hmm. on, on imaginary niece's face saying, I'm counting on you for the dining car, Nick. So she meant something like, while we're working, please keep an eye on the dining car or maybe something like this. Oh, and then as very brief shot, as he's talking just of a white suited psychopath Not a lad, but one of his goons. Mm -hmm. uh, Just walking right on by him. Into the dining car. Maybe she meant something like, if we're found out during our robbery, we can't allow them to make a ruckus and stop the train. So keep the people in the dining car quiet, Nick. Ah, yeah, she must have meant something like that. That's what I gotta do then. uh, Pulls out a knife. Pulls out a knife. uh, (laughs) The white-suited psychopath, Vicky, has walked on into the train and we see on the other side of the door a bunch of black-suited Huey Lafouret people with Tommy guns preparing to go in. So this dining car is about to be more like a dining cannot. This is about to be a dying car. Oh, damn, that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> a dying cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the past... Oh, jeez, yep. We have met with the, 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 the maid friend. I actually friend. didn't get it. Oh, yeah, Bruno. Bruno. Bruno Bruno Everyone loves Bruno. Bruno So in my very bat, This is where I got real sus about these subtitles mm-hmm. Because he clearly comes out and says Samantha Right? Yeah And Mike Why don't you go ahead and read what my subtitles say Samath Samath It's a classic African American name yeah. So Bruno and Samath <laughs> What the fuck? What the fuck like, is How Samantha? could you get that so wrong? <laughs> He says Samantha. Yeah. You see the subtitles officially are Samantha, and yet you still mess it up with Samath. Samath. What? He couldn't put two and two together with that Samath. <laughs> Terrible. That's Terrible. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's, that's Samath. <laughs> Oh, my God. Terrible. So, basically, they come in and ask about Dallas, and he gets the file, and he reads the file, mm-hmm. and then he's like, oh, no, 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 we don't know anything. No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to let you down, but uh, we got nothing. And he's clearly lying. And, in fact, we'll probably skip over it next time, but there's a scene in episode four where they're like, oh, man, didn't want to tell them the truth, but technically we didn't lie. We just withheld info because... We can, put, we can assume something very bad has happened to Dallas. Mm, we know exactly where he is. But, you know, we don't know where he is. <laughs> Does that mean that he was washed away in a current? No one knows. Oh. Mm. So, running through the alleyway looking for Ennis to return her button, Firo encounters Dallas Genoa. <gasps> not Dallas Genoa, Who, in 1930. Yep. He and his gang of toughs have surrounded the old alchemist man mm-hmm. a- and are kicking him. He's on the ground and they're kicking him. Yep, they're just being an arsehole to him. Yep, and he's like, oh, they they spot him watching them and like, what are you looking at, brat? And he's like, oh, I just think you guys are, you know, not displaying the proper robbery skills. My name's Firo and I'm here to say you should leave that old man alone, you see? And they just keep calling each other kids for a while, essentially. Well, yeah. go home, brat. Oh, well, even from the eyes of this brat, what you're doing looks like child's play. You son of a bitch. You shitty brat. You little fucking asshole. So he us some some brief. Uh, New Yorker martial arts, New York foo, yeah. And he's he does a lot of like good hat Corey while he's doing it. So literally like he's like, spinning it on his finger at one point. One of Dallas's goons will like go to punch him, and then he'll just crouch, and the hat will stay where it is, but his head has moved already. Yeah, and then he'll catch it and do a kick in one smooth motion. Uh, he pretty much single-handedly destroys the shit yeah. out of these goons. Dallas pulls a knife, but then he also makes quick work of Dallas. And Fuhrer is all like, "You wouldn't attack me with a knife in a street brawl like this." come on buddy have some decorum anyway boom boom and the uh, box is down. Yep. The old alchemist is very protective of his box. He's like, Is that box so precious to you? Leave me alone! Me and my precious box! <laughs> we want to go home! I'll give you money! I don't need money, but you, you know, know probably... I just saved your friggin' life, right? Get away from my box! Hey, old man, did you see someone, a woman in a light black suit, go this way? She's not in the now, box. Light black? <laughs> <laughs> what? What's wrong with light? Light black. Black, of course, being the absence of light. <laughs> <laughs> well you know like more of a more of a it's not vanta black. a soft black you know it's like a charcoal grey maybe yeah you know like a, a rich blue but so dark that you can't make out the blue to it there's a joke in the uh, sitcom Father Ted by famous Turf Graham Linehan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh fuck him that only priest's clothes are black and everything else is actually just very 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 dark blue <laughs> That's funny. I like mm. that. So you better get out of here while these guys are still out. And then we see him start to walk away and Dallas's red red sleeve grabs him from behind, and next <gasps> thing we see him lying face down covered in blood. Oh no! He's dead. He's dead. He's hella dead. And Dallas is like, uh, Fero. I gotta remember that name so I can murder him. Possibly. So Nick, what do you what do you think the implications of that are? Um He killed the guy, or did he? Is he immortal? Unclear. Well, very clear by the end of the episode, but <laughs> uh, you know. He, he's murdered an old man. And what of the box? Wait, is the box not there? I don't see it. Oh, <gasps> Where's the box? Where's the precious box? Well, he had it when Dallas killed him. Oh, no. What has Dallas done this time? Oh, that Dallas Genoa always getting into scrapes. God damn it, Dallas. Meanwhile, Vicky, the white-suited psychopath, is eyeing down the dining cart. And Isaac and Maria are still doing their bullshit. They're just like, it's great mm-hmm. here, isn't it? There's a mysterious woman in green with a bandana. Um, she's looking out the window, uh, longingly. Vicky looks at her and does like a motion with his finger. You know, the finger just gun's 9mm. Not being subtle at all. Yeah. Because he's about to have real guns. And I really like this little sequence. Uh, So in the middle of the cabin Mm -hmm. and then on either side of it, all three people who are about to do a hold up all say some variant of like, all right, let's do this. Uh, So basically all at the same time. Vicky pulls out his gun. He's got two revolvers. And he points them down both sides of the carriage. And he goes, all right. Nobody move. Yep. mean what? No, he, he tells everyone to raise both hands. Oh, sorry. All right, raise both your hands, everyone, so I can see what you got. Simultaneously, the Tommy-gunned Huey LaForey cultists burst in and say, all of you, get down on the ground. And then double meanwhile, <laughs> Nick steps in with a knife and says, all right, right nobody, nobody move. move. Everyone's confused, except for Isaac and Maria, who are expertly down on the ground, perfectly still with their hands in the air. And they literally like, hang on, it was get down the ground, raise your hands, and what was the other thing? Oh, uh, nobody moved. Of course. And they, just and they just become very still. Rock solid. Oh, they're good kids. Oh, good old, old humour. And I like how Nick is just like, okay, I've got a knife. I'm clearly outgunned here. And just like, sorry, closes the door. <laughs> Man, this is so relatable, especially since his name is Nick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and know, we've all been there. Have you ever held up a train carriage with a knife and then said, actually, you know what? And your name just, is Nick. And your name is Nick. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end of this episode... Old man blood. He's already dead. He's already immortal. <gasps> the blood's coming back into him. And Shane is... Uh, sorry, Ennis is behind him. And he's like, you. And she's like, Mr. Barnes. And double, double, meanwhile, on the train at the end of the episode, Jacuzzi Splot bursts into the conductor's cabin and sees what appears to be two grisly bodies. (gasps) They're both dead. Young conductor, covered in blood. Old conductor. Like, missing an arm. Missing an arm? Like, he was really donked up. I don't have a photo of it here, but he was in a... Like, he was fucked up. Oh, okay. That's not great. Not great. And then Jacuzzi's like... The rail tracer! No! Who does my bad impression of Jacuzzi sound like? Um... (laughs) <laughs> who speaks like that? Um, what? Hang on, are you trying to identify what your bad impression is? Yeah, it reminds like? me of someone. Oh, that's going to bother rail me The rail tracer. The rail tracer. Who speaks like that? Howdy. No, I Elvis know. Presley? I don't know. Look, guys, look, guys, tell me who that is. <laughs> Episode four. What's the title of episode four? Is it Lad Russo loves slaughtering people and talking? Close enough. Lad Russo enjoys talking a lot and killing a lot. Hey. In 1931, Lad Russo likes to talk, mostly about slaughtering. In 1932, Eve begins searching for Dallas. Feel like that happened last episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In 1930, Slil... Slizard... Okay, so... <laughs> what well, hang on. No, IMDB has clearly written his name as Slizzard here. Uh, it's Slizer. But I feel like the opening, it's S-Z-I-L-E-D. Zillard? Let's double check this We have the opening right here But I also have Googs Hi, welcome to Googs World It's actually a very serious show now We verify all the facts that we need to When we need to Yeah, it's, Zil- it's Zillard Okay, it's Zillard Zillard S-Z-I-L-A-R-D Zillard Quates. And the uh, Barkano fandom's uh, spelling out of the uh, Japanese phonetic pronunciation mm-hmm. Is Serada Koetsu, So, Zillard Quates. Zillard Quates. there you go and now Lunga. you know the rest of the story. <laughs> what a time to be alive. You didn't finish the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I never finished the damn thing that I'm doing. <laughs> Zillard Quates. Searches for his missing elixir. Ah, his missing elixir. Yeah. Awfully presumptuous given that he's just the <laughs> he manager. he doesn't have it. Okay, it's 1931. The train. Lad Russell hears gunfire from the dining car. It's like, wow, Vicky's really getting at it. Wait a minute, that's Tommy gunfire. Oh, I'm so excited. Almost to a sexual degree. I feel both aroused and satisfied with how this is going. So interesting. So interesting. He bumps into Nick who's running past him like, Oh man, this really got out of hand, niece. I was not prepared for this. I only have a knife. I literally brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> that's the one thing they say you shouldn't do. Day one, they teach you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. And what do I do? I bring a knife to a gunfight. What am I being trained for? So, Lad is so excited. He's literally skipping down the hall with his hands in his pockets, being like, hey, 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 this is awesome. I thought my double entendre was really good, but that's, you know... Yeah, it was good. Yeah, like, like train. Trained. Choo choo. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Meanwhile, ten hours ago in Chicago, the most despicable city, <laughs> we learn that Isaac and Maria robbed the Russo crime family. Ah, because Lad Russo is yeah, part of the Russo because family. Because Lad's uncle. I don't know if that was a awkward translation and like a one of those like Japanese honorifics, like uh, or terms of uh, address, like uh, Gigi or Ojisan. Yeah. Uh, but his uncle, as he says. Mm-hmm. Like how you would just say that, it literally means grandpa, but you would call an old man that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Is it uncle or is it like, hey, you're part of the family, uncle? Yeah. Is it uncle or is it family member? And then there's that third level of abstraction of our bad translation. You know what's really annoying about this? If I say uncle and I say, or oh, family member, it's difficult to get across. Or is it uncle like uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures? Oh, damn it. There's so many questions. <laughs> If it isn't bad enough that our money's been stolen, you expect me to believe that uh, that two robbers dressed as Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb did it? And we get a brief flash of... Yeah, we saw that. Of Isaac slamming into someone. Yeah, their and their great then... grand slam. Yep. yep. That's impossible. Well, we ask the person. It doesn't look like he's lying. That's ridiculous. I'm the head of the Russo family. And well, on, on top of that, you're telling me that Sidalis... Zylard Sidalus screwed up too Yes you can see at the edge of the factory grounds Well he doesn't really look like a human anymore Sidalus What? That punk with the sword tattoo did it? Wanted poster for Jacuzzi Splot Slams it down on the desk Dead or alive His fingers are covering the amount of money But it is at least a thousand dollars At least ten thousand I'd even warrant I think it was five thousand Wasn't it? Dunno Place of birth, Chicago, Illinois. (gasps) He's from Chicago! Race, Italian. He's Italian? I mean, you can tell from the name, can't you? (laughs) (laughs) Liam, this may surprise you, but were I to meet someone named Jacuzzi Splot, my first thought would not be, oh, that's an Italian name. Jacuzzi. It would be, what the ever-living fuck kind of name is Jacuzzi Splot? (laughs) Then I'd be open to the interpretation of... Oh, you wouldn't get hung up on the sword face tattoo for a while? (laughs) No, that's that's less weird to me than the fact his name is Jacuzzi Splot. Unless that's not his real name. Okay, so they punished um they punished Sedalis for getting robbed by Jacuzzi. Right, I see. We don't know or care who Sidalis is, listeners, so don't worry about that. Sedalis so is just a guy. He's just apparently. some guy jacuzzi robbed. Great. Let's put the heat on each and every couple in the city. Little does he realise that that wouldn't work because of Isaac and Maria's train robbery gambit. Mm. And they're very good disguises. Mm. But, uh, Lad Russo jokers on into the room like, Oh, don't do it. Let me do it. I'm such a psychopath. He literally struts in, hips swaying Mm -hmm. side to side. And then just kill these two goons. Chokes one to death while talking about how much he loves choking people. And then just cuts the other's throat. All the while, the uncle is just there in that... Like, oh, This fucking guy. Here we go again. Every time this guy comes, I'm going to get my office dry cleaned. Hand on forehead lightly, just being like, I have to put up with this shit every time. And this is how we know that lad recognised Jacuzzi when they bump into each other in the last couple of episodes. Because he picks up that wanted wanted poster poster. and he's all like, huh, interesting. Interesting. And then immediately discards it. So he basically is not really interested in this conversation that he permanently interrupts because he kills two of the conversationalists. Because he just wants to come in and be like, hey, me and my gang of merry psychopaths here want to go murder half half a train. train and then hold the rest for ransom. So that way I get to kill people, you get some money. It basically just like brings in a bunch of people in white suits, including Lua, Vicky, and the other background extras we see from his gang be like, hey, here's all these fucking assholes I know. Can we just go kill a bunch of people? And the uncle's like, how can you dress so happily if you're about to go murder half a damn train? Hey, I'm a psychopath. I'm like the Joker. Wouldn't it be great with these white suits to see the blood on them? Eh? 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 Uh, uh. And the boss... Or the uncle, rather, is like... Uh, what? Russo, you've done it this time. I know Russo, you're... you've gone too far. I want are badge and gun on my desk. You're the best damn assassin we've got in this town, but God damn it, Russo, you're a loose gun. Anyway, this is Lua. She's my lover and my fiance. So, uh, great. She's really quiet, but it helps me relax. <laughs> it really brings the tension down a bit, you know? Sorry, the old man is like, oh, I don't... F- Give a shit. Just do whatever the fuck you like. Just don't bring my name into it. Do it as an anon- anonymously. <laughs> you're not doing this on the record, alright? But you do it. You're a deniable asset, Russo. Don't you think I know that old man? <laughs> Ah, uh, so then he pulls out a shotgun and he's like, hey, whatever, I, I kill people for pleasure. And you know who I really like to kill, old man? People who think they're safe. Like you, old man. Well, this entire time, he didn't need to say, like you. And he's just like, you know who I really like to kill? People that feel safe, points gun closer at Uncle. Yeah, people literally that like feel comfortable, points gun closer. to up against his face. Hey, people that feel really secure, points gun even closer the to old, the face. The, the, the crime boss whose face is still covered in blood from the slot, the throat slitting that just occurred right in front of him. Uh-huh. He's pretty understandably perturbed by this. And then after all of this... Lad pulls the trigger, the gun's not loaded. Oh. You didn't think I'd actually kill (laughs) you. you. I might be a monster, but even I understand that I have a debt to you for looking after me for so many years. Come on now. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on. You really think that I, Lad Russo, would kill you? The guy in the four thousand dollar suit is gonna (laughs) kill you. Come (laughs) on! And then he leaves. I'm gonna go kill a bunch of people on a train wear a white suit. That'd be cool, won't it? It'll be a good time. Meanwhile, in the dining cart, the mysterious green-suited woman slips out the window. Literally opens the window, pulls herself up mm-hmm. on some kind of railing outside. Or onto the roof. And then just... Leaves. Leaves! Yep. And she, we later see she goes uh, underneath. We hardly knew her and now she's gone. <laughs> we, we see that... She goes underneath the train. Ah, I missed that. Yeah, so she's like hanging onto the railing and she goes under onto she's more some railing. sort of master thief I'd warrant. Ooh. Uh, the Tommy Gunners have made quick work of Vic because he had pistols and they had Tommy Guns. Yep, Vicky managed to shoot one of them, but not enough. And mm-hmm. uh, then Lad comes on and is like, hey, come on, what's all this here? can um, you see I'm unarmed? The cult of Huey Tommy Gunners are like, hey, hey, hey. Who the hell are you guys? Oh, we're not your enemies. I I'll, I love the justification for this is... Because uh, obviously uh, Ryogo Narita or whatever his name is wanted uh, to like have a really strong visual... Justif- even though it was a light novel. Uh, mm. Really strong like visually striking image of these two opposing forces in the black suits and the white suits mm. both doing their robberies. And I love the justification for the Lafayette people is like they disguise themselves as an orchestra and mm. also black suits are common. Yeah. And then the justification for Lad's team is they're just a bunch of fucking freaks <laughs> who want who want to get blood all over their white clothes. They want to see their handiwork, whereas the other ones don't. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. So Lad just keeps talking and walking forward and when he gets close enough, he kicks the Tommy gun so it goes up over the guy's shoulder and then in one smooth motion gr- grabs that guy's hand and presses down on the trigger so that while the gun is upside down over his shoulder that guy shoots all his allies in the room. Ah, all one of them. Yeah, one or two. There's only one. Okay. Yeah. And then he disarms the guy and he keeps talking like, Haha, you think you could be our enemies? The mafia guys, they usually said things like, you won't get away with this, but I did. And then he starts punching the guy and he just oh, keeps talking and punching. That that second guy doesn't die yet, even though he's full of bullet holes. Oh, okay. Um, and he just sort of like backs away with his Tommy gun in hand. Uh, And as he's backing away, Lad Russo does a great bit where He's like Hey Hey You wanna shoot me Huh You wanna shoot me over here And he yeah, like starts yeah, darting that's right. that's around why, That's why I him. thought there was one more yeah. yeah But it's just like He's just there being like Hey hey Shoot me over this shoulder No shoot me over this shoulder No shoot me over here He just fucking murders him And the guy's it? like I don't wanna shoot my friend So I'm just gonna back the fuck out of here From this psychopath mm-hmm. So lad Just keeps talking and punching Like oh this is easy Easier than Pete Herman Cause you're way weaker You don't have any technique or power, like Jack Johnson or Jack Dempsey. Do you know any boxer names? Oh, I get it. They're boxer names. I just like that. I love that. Just talking and then just, do you want to name any (laughs) boxers? What about cardboard? Oh, you fool. Cuts to various people in the room being uh, perturbed. Mm -hmm. I really liked one of the the shots. I think it was a close-up of um, Dead Vic. Uh, You just see her in the background, like right near his body, just Maria, still just in that one hands up, Mm -hmm. not moving on the ground position. (laughs) She knows what she's about. Talking, punching, the guy's face is getting real messed up, kicks him into the door. And then beats the ever living shit out of him to the point where his face becomes a mangled mess. There's no way you can get, you can block Sir Huey's path. Punching face, he drops down, straddles him, just keeps punching. Uh, Blood lines the door. It is splattered. Uh, Everyone's a bit like, Not a fan. So Lad Russo has established his bona fides as a murderer this episode. We think maybe there's something that he likes about murdering people. You would think that he's possibly the most lethal person on the train. But I remember some other things from the last time I watched this show, (laughs) and I don't think that's true. Ooh... There can't be anyone on this train who opposes us with weapons like the ones you have. Because they don't have Tommy. Thinking bones. that we're so safe because we're so well armed. That's what really gets my blood going. Uh, he keeps punching him while he's doing his monologue. Yeah, talks about beating him into a sausage. Mash, mash, mash. We see some of the blood go onto his suit. And a really nice touch that we see in lads, uh, in Lad for at least the rest of this episode, possibly the rest of the show. We see that he's got like bloody knuckles just from punching this guy so much. Yep. It's, uh... At first we think it's mostly that guy's blood, but then later on we see that it is in fact his own blood too. It's pretty intense. Pretty intense. Intense. And then some more Russo guys are like, Hey, we heard some noise, so we come to to take a look. Lad just looks delighted. Give an explanation, lad. He's he's just so happy. I just murdered this man in front of all these people. All the skin came off my fingers. Oh, so he comes over to the senator's wife and he's like, You must be the senator's wife. You got new orders now. I was going to kill... What? He no, says, he said the order has changed. Oh, As the in, order has changed. He was going to kill her first, but now he's going to kill all these Tommy Gun people. Oh. Uh, would she have known that? No, but he's a psychopath. He is a psychopath. Yeah, it's like someone he says, walking. When up I've to taken care of all the people in the black suits, it's your turn. Ah, uh, maybe. Uh, maybe he. He seems like the kind of guy who'd walk up to you on the street and just be like, the time is nearing. I bet you're ready. The blood moon rises and then he breaks your neck. Uh, what? uh, what? And then Cheslaw. Cheslaw breaks into a sinister smile and is like, I can use these people. And of course we see from the first episode that doesn't really work out well for Cheslaw. Though not as bad as it could be, were he not immortal. Yeah. What happens if you force the blood to go into like a container oh, you take the blood and yeah, you, you trap the it yeah exactly what happens then maybe the rest of you reformed but you're quite exsanguinated ah uh, the journalists have that scene we discussed previously where they're like we sure were lying to eve jennerwood <laughs> You remember that scene? We remember that scene. Now, there's a crucial moment where... The Dallas case is top secret. It's top secret, you say. Does it have anything to do with the immortals? You shouldn't know about that. Oh, I've said too much. I've said too much. I better go. That's um, Victor, the one who has all the info. (gasps) Ooh, You can't even tell me. Come on, man, we're colleagues. No, 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 I... I've said everything I needed to, to my old friend. Goodbye. What's quite interesting to me about Victor, given what we were talking about, um, about the um, demographic of the staff of the Daily Days, mm-hmm. is that he's clearly a black man, but mm-hmm. he's wearing a very sort of um, Chinese Eastern Chinese yeah. garb. Yeah, he is. Mm. So I guess perhaps he works the Chinese desk. Mm. It, uh, it has a very it man vibe to yeah. it. Compared to Nicholas, who is wearing stereotypical Western business attire. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah, Very interesting. It doesn't really mean anything, it's just interesting world building. Yeah, just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's 1930, Firo and Miser have just left the hat shop where they bump into Isaac and Maria who say, watch where you're going, and then they go into the hat shop and buy a heap of hats. That's the whole scene. They get really scared by the intense tailor or haberdasher who... He's also got belts behind him, so maybe he does general tailoring. Mm. Uh, Isaac is like, all right, old man, here are the hats. Here's the money. Give us our change. An army helmet, a policeman's hat, a Native American headdress, cultural appropriation, Mm -hmm. uh, a samurai hat, cultural appropriation, (laughs) and some sort of tribal mask. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Cultural appropriation. And they get really scared of him, but they give him a big heap of money and they run outside like, wow, that man was really scary. They try to do the subtle, all right, you know, if you were to report us to the police, it would go real bad for you. And then he just stares them down. Doesn't say anything this whole scene other than here's your change. And they're like, oh yeah, I'll change, I forgot And they run outside and they're puffing and panting because they're so scared of this old man. Oh my god, he was so intense. That he was. Oh, we've been robbing together for about a year now, haven't we, Maria? I guess so. We've been to 87 different places. Yes. Has there ever been a time I've exposed you to danger? Oh, only about 87 times. Oh, hasn't (laughs) even been a hundred times. Oh, wow. Let's dance in the middle of the street. So they do. And they talk about how they're going to be so rich they're going to retire to Miami after one last job. Which is quite interesting because we know that doesn't happen because they spend the next year in California trying to mine gold. Dude, what? No, I thought this happened after they were like, all right, I'm no, so done mining gold. Timeline. Uh-huh. Timeline for Isaac and Maria that we know so far. Mm. Listeners, I sure hope you're writing this all down. <laughs> Isaac and Maria buy mm-hmm. uh, buy a bunch of hats. Yes. I think this is the earliest we've seen them. Yes. They say they want to do one last job. Uh-huh. Things happen. Don't know what, but things are going to happen where they meet Firo and Ennis. Uh Uh-huh. Then they're going to go to California and mine for a year. No, I thought... They're going to get a letter from Ennis. Yeah. Come back to see Ennis along the way, rob Chicago, and get on the train. I thought they'd already robbed Chicago. No. No. no, Because they were going to see Ennis. Right. And they don't know Ennis yet because Ennis is just about to hit them with a car and they don't recognise her. (laughs) Right. Do Do they go back to mine after... What? I'm so confused. It doesn't matter. It's so, all right. Events of 1930 will happen in which I am sure Fero and Luck will become immortal okay. among others potentially. Ooh. Then California. Mhm. California leads into train. Yeah. And everyone at the end of the train knows Isaac and Maria, knows Fero, knows Ennis. Okay. Okay, I thought that they did all the mining and then they went back to California. No, the mining is mining. in California. Oh, God. I'm so confused. California gold rush, even though it's 1930. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Whatever. I get it. I think. Okay. I don't, but that's okay. okay. Do you want me to clear anything up? Do you have any more questions? No. Like, I'm genuinely willing to indulge no, you No, in no, no, no. No, because I think, I think I get the timeline. Okay. But it's just such a, a barcano, isn't it? But I think that Isaac and Maria timeline is like key to understand, putting all these events Establishing together. Establishing literally they, everything They else. are clearly going to be involved in off the train events, pre-train. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then also they're on the train. Yes. Yes. So they're okay. kind of the thread that will we'll follow through this. Maybe I'll re-watch so, some episodes and be like, <laughs> yeah, maybe this happened. So yeah, just dot points. New York, buying oh. hats. Uh-huh. Events of New York we haven't seen yet. Yep. Go to California, mine. Uh-huh. Rob, Chicago. Rob the Russos in Chicago specifically yep get on train uh huh end of episode one they get off the train everyone knows each other okay and they're all friends yeah but how are they friends if they don't know each other Ennis is there but Zillard seems conspicuously absent oh Haven't you done well? So yes, they spend a lot of time twirling in the streets and then they get hit by a car that Ennis is driving Zillard in. (laughs) Um, They dramatically fall to the ground. And they spend a lot of time in the rearview mirror being like, come back and fight us. Ennis is all like, I didn't really hit them all that fast. Shall I just keep driving, sir? Yes. All right then. And then they just drive off. Meanwhile, on the train, the Laforet people are like, uh, who are those white suited people? Oh, this is such a trial. What do you think, Shane? Shane? Shane. Yeah, Shane. Oh, Sean. Shane Look, Nick, we did the pronunciation of this last episode. I'm never going to admit that her name is Shane. Never. It's got to be Sean, right? What if it's something in between? So, interesting line of dialogue uh-huh. as Shane leaves the cabin. She just silently leaves when I ask her a question. Mm-hmm. Mr. Goose says... <laughs> She pulls through when he, when she has to. Besides, she'll only live until tomorrow anyway. Ooh. Are they going to betray her? Does she have some sort of blood curse? Is she secretly an old lady who has a deep heart condition? <laughs> no one knows. What if it's a metaphorical live until tomorrow where, like, her will to live is oh, going to yeah. die tomorrow? She she has to rescue her father, Huey, or... Mm. Or she'll just be like, well, that's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Zillard's car, he just exposits about how he doesn't understand youngsters these days. And, like, ever since that, ever since that bad business with Miser, I can't understand anyone younger than me. So that's another connection. Mm-hmm. Zillard and Miser know each other. Yep. So that's... He says something about... Miser 200 years ago. Okay, so I've got I've got direct quotes. There we go. Through mangled translation here. <laughs> I already couldn't understand Youngster's thoughts from 200 years ago, but ever since Miser lost his sentence, I lost my... Sorry, lost his senses. I lost my faith in those younger than me. Right. And then Ennis says, from your point of view, the entire world is younger. Well, from my perspective, the Jedi are even... <laughs> So what do, what do we think that that means, Nick? Well, he's obviously a he, so mortal. Yep. He knows Miser. He knows Miser. He might know Fero, Possibly. It's not clear at this stage. Mm-hmm. He we knows know, Ennis. We know my. Mi- <laughs> Everyone loves <laughs> Ennis. <laughs> we know Miser knows Cheslaw. Yep. Because that's who he's waiting to meet on the train. Yep. Cheslaw is a mortal. Uh-huh. is a mortal. Yep. Is Miser immortal? mortal? Carol, help me. <laughs> Why did Carol think the story started so early <laughs> when all these other things are happening? Ugh. Yeah, I'm fully on, um... I, think, I fully think Carol was off the mark and Isaac and Maria are the protagonists we should have followed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Lad and Co. have the exact same conversation the black-suited people had, Lad just saying, like, co. who are the white-suited people? Ah, who gives a shit? Let's go kill them. Go kill however many you want, then meet back here. And all of them are like, hey... <laughs> Because they all like killing people. Yep. I'll go tell Lua, let's uh, meet back here. Hooray! (laughs) Meanwhile, (gasps) Zillard and Ennis go to a secret underground... Lab or meeting room where he has to like tap his cane a distinct number of times to light up a light and then turn the yeah. light off. It's the signal so that the guy who's working the trapdoor will open it. Don't you open that trapdoor. Don't you open that trapdoor. <gasps> well, Master Quaits, it's been a while. Oh, it's only been 20 years. You couldn't call that a while, could you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so immortal. <laughs> oh, I'm so sinister. I've lost touch with regular humans. Oh, because he's immortal. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Where are Barnes and Stagen. Stagen? 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 Stag- stag- st- I don't know. Mr. Barnes is in the distillation room. <gasps> That's and the place that burnt down. Mr. Stagen passed away a, a year <gasps> ago. That's a- an irrelevant character. Okay, so two ki- two interesting lines of dialogue here. Mm-hmm. One, um, Zillard says, I couldn't give you failed incomplete products, eternal souls. So the failed incomplete products are the people in the room. Seems that way. And they want immortality? Makes sense. Interesting. Stegan was too old, so it can't be helped. Second key line of dialogue. If only he had lived for another year, he would have been here today. Now, everyone pull out your rulers. <laughs> and I basically just, basically just looked at each other and said, you know, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> you can't deny if he had lived a and year they, on from when he died. He would be a year older than when he died. That would be today. today. An impressive line of logic. And if he, if he had lived that year... He would be here. If I had moved a metre from where I am now, a metre away from where I am, that's that where you a... would be today. Exactly. There but for the grace of God go you. <laughs> <laughs> just... I'm, I'm very keen just to watch this translation now, just to see how many more sentences like that we get. Yeah. You don't think that we're the bad guys. No, 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 we're the bad guys. <laughs> yes. We finally f- succeeded in creating a finished product, a complete cure-all elixir. Ooh, what Ooh, does that Barnes mean? has it. Ennis, go get Barnes. Can do. And Ennis, yes. if he's touched it, uh-huh. kill him. Okey-dokey. And if he's failed to store it correctly and it yep. stopped working, uh-huh. kill him. Okie dokie. Can do. I- I'm Ennis. <laughs> and then she starts running off. Yep, we see the start of the robbery um, or the encounter that Mr. Barnes has with Dallas, beating him up in the alleyway. You're the ones who tripped me. Well, you said leave scum to us. <laughs> Isn't that a bit provocative? Um he Mr. Barnes says it was my bad and that's like I'm sure that's a fine translation but I feel like the translator is not really capturing the voice of the character because mm. an old man like that would say something surely something more like it, it was my fault mm. not that my, was my bad my bad <laughs> sorry sorry yeah casual mistake of course i could be oh my the mark here i don't speak japanese he could be speaking saying that in japanese in a very informal tone mm. maybe he's saying oh it was my fucking bad <laughs> I'll give you money. Shut up. Is that liquor in those boxes? Uh. And uh so we see uh Ennis watching the fire and bumping into Firo from her perspective, close yep. up on her, her missing uh, cuff. Yep. Ennis is all like bonds, and then she runs off, and we hear Firo being all like, "Hey, yep, hey you." Missing cuff. Meanwhile, on the train, Nice is running towards the conductor car where Jacuzzi went, and we see a blood-stained handprint on the window and a mysterious figure lurking outside the train. Like some kind of fucking werewolf? Some kind of rail tracer. <gasps> oh. It's all big and furry. And that's the end of that episode. Oh, my God. So, Nick. Yes. Highlights and lowlights. Um, my highlight would probably have to be... <laughs> This is going to sound really dumb, but Zillard, if only he were a year older, he would be here today. <laughs> Cuz that entire conversation is just like, okay, he's immortal. Yes, I'm He's you know, a mo- I'm a mortal and you guys want to be immortal. It's, it's not a, he was mortal. It's not a good scene. And but goddamn it's good. That mortality aged him mortally oh shit so like just the constant just battering it into your head of like he's immortal how do we know oh those youngsters 200 years ago oh Oh. okay and then later oh i guess 20 years would be a long time if you weren't older than 200 if you weren't immortal like me (laughs) (laughs) and then later ah you know i've been immortal long enough to know it's just like god damn it this is hilarious. It's getting ridiculous now. My highlight is Lad Russo punching that guy to death. Ooh. Um, I like his the energy he brings to it. Mm. He's uh, just like dumb babble. Yep. But I also like the way it's like, clearly he's a man who's adept at violence, but it's a sort of more grounded violence than you often see in anime. Like, mm. you know, like the, the bloody knuckles, for instance, is not something you would really ever see. Yeah. It really does mash him as much as the other guy. Yeah, he's a man who's good at violence, but he's still ultimately just a man. He's unhinged. His own body betrays him. I feel like we skipped over someone describing themselves as a couple of jokers, and that's a shame because I was going to make some some top-tier joker jokes. (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of Joker's (laughs) trick. the greatest trick the Joker ever pulled was us skipping over that line of dialogue. <laughs> that was Nick, the Joker's trick all along. What's your, lo- what's your low light? Uh, Whatever happened to Joker's trick? I feel like that stopped. I thought it did. I thought he stopped. Yeah, but someone else picked it up. Anyway. Oh. um, My low light would probably have to be... You know what? Jacuzzi Splot running into the conductor's thing and then getting nothing in the next episode about it. Oh, that cliffhanger's left you wanting more. Not just that, Left you wanting more and not giving you more. Yeah, because a lot has happened. Yeah, but poor young conductor. Yeah, but also like you consider Jacuzzi Splot walked in their last episode. We've had an entire episode of events. Yeah, he spent an episode walking towards it and then he arrived at it and nothing has happened since. Kind of a slow burn on the Jacuzzi Plot Plot, plot yeah. Plot. The Splot Plot? Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. The Jacuzzi Splot Plot Plot. And of course, if he gets some sort of large container for holding stew or soup, we can have the Jacuzzi Splot Pot Plot. Ah, the classic Jacuzzi Splot Pot Plot. And mm. if he puts some marijuana in that, uh, in that container, we yep. can have the Jacuzzi Splot Pot Pot Plot. Ah, the jacuzzi... The the jacuzzi splot pot pot plot. Yep, that's what I said. Yeah. Or as I would prefer to call it, the jacuzzi splot marijuana pot plot. Sure. (laughs) Because if we keep saying it over and over again, it'll become second nature to us. And if he turns that big pot into a uh, sort of... No, a sort of heated bath that one can relax in, we will have the jacuzzi (laughs) splot... Pot, pot, jacuzzi, splot, pl- splot, plot. The jacuzzi, splot, pot, pot, jacuzzi, jacuzzi, jacuzzi plot. plot. Okay. Podcasting's fun, isn't but it? But what what if he has an artistic edge to it when he's in that hot bath? So it would be the jacuzzi, splot, pot, pot, jacuzzi, splot, plot, you know? This is an art attack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my low light. Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. <laughs> It was a question you asked yourself. Yes, but it's one that I must ask myself for well, that is the format of our podcast. Mm, indeed it is. It's why we live. It is our raison d'être. It is our reason to be, snake. Where the fox die now? I just don't really feel engaged in the Eve Genouard plot at all yet. Yeah. Like, Dallas has gone missing, but I don't... Like, who gives a shit? Who the hell is Dallas? The fact that I didn't know that Dallas was that guy yeah. this whole time illustrates that I'm like, who's Dallas? Why? What? Like, on a week-to-week basis, like watching the show, you'd just be like, okay, Dallas is gone. He doesn't really have any... Other than Eve, who was looking for him, he doesn't really have any sympathetic relationships to any other characters, so I feel like... I can't remember if she finds him or not, but, like, I know what happened to him, but I can't remember if she finds him or not. But I feel like, you know, if she finds him, it's going to be like, great, Eve found Dallas. Her part in the show is done now. Yeah. Because she's not related to... She hasn't interacted with anyone else other than Nicholas and Victor. Oh, Bruno, a I mean, she hasn't. But, but, but he's she, got such... She could, such, but she hasn't. But he's got such protagonist energy. Yeah. Even though he doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nick, so. Yes. Three concurrent train hold-ups, one of which has morphed into a non-hold-up robbery. Uh-huh. Nice. Immortality experiments and a stolen elixir. What is going to happen next time on Barkano in the episode entitled... The Jacuzzi Splot Pot Pot Plot Jacuzzi Splot Plot. (laughs) Plot, 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 plot. Let's just get it all out of the way. Chop, 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 chop. Uh, Oh, Jacuzzi Splot... Oh, fuck. (laughs) God damn it. ...cries, cowers, and shows his metal. Oh Um, no. One more addendum to my general summary. The rail tracer looms in the background. Yeah, I was just thinking, what if jacuzzi splot? So jacuzzi Splot cries cowers and shows his metal. What if jacuzzi splot? is that monster that we saw on the window. That feels like that contradicts everything we've seen, no, but, uh, but like he's got a secret second personality or something. Oh, actually, no, it doesn't make any sense because the monster already killed them. Yeah. Unless the monster killed them because it's Jacuzzi's ultimate personality. I, don't, I know this isn't what happened, <laughs> I'm just... What if there's a third Jacuzzi splot? Oh my God. Um. Okay, well, the monster thing... Hmm. The monster thing has obviously murdered the conductor and the conductor. The conductors, yes, the two conductors, the maestros of the train. The two men whose only job it was to not die while the train's operational because they're the ones who understand how the train works. Poor young conductor. Ah, <sighs> terrible. We'll never hear that beautiful Boston accent <laughs> again. Um, ooh. So, Jacuzzi splot has. He cries cowards and tests his metal. He's going to be like, oh my god, they're dead. Yep. Oh we, my god. We know that other people are heading to the conductor's car looking at yes. the Jacuzzi. We know Lua, Klein, and a are heading there. But we also know that Niece, niece and Donnie and, are heading yeah. there. Niece and Donnie are going to get there first. That doesn't make any sense, but okay. Yeah. Lua's just. Her, her blood sugar dropped. She had to take a nap. Exactly. So, oh. Niece will show up and be like, Jacuzzi, what the hell's going on? Why? The rail they... tracer! Jacuzzi, there's no such thing as the rail tracer. Look, these dead bodies. And then they'll hear like a, oh, in the background. Oh, yeah. The, the, the telltale howling of the rail tracer. It sounds it's, just like a train whistle. It's me, the rail tracer, tracer. And then they just. Rail tracer here. <laughs> Jesus. The telltale howling. The world could always use more hitmen. <laughs> My God, he's out there. we got to kill him. Um, okay, so he's going to cry and cower. That doesn't what? sound like Jacuzzi. What if Lua and Crew show up first, but then he covers himself in blood. Oh, pretends to be dead. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, he starts crying about how bad things keep following him everywhere mm-hmm. because he's actually not that bad of a kid. He just, you know... He fell in with a bad crowd. Yep, and now he's like, it just keeps happening to me and I don't know why. Okay. Um, then they'll leave and be all like, oh yeah, kid's dead. Uh, and then Lad will be all like... Kid's what no, kid's not dead. Kids immortal kids dead. Something. I well, um, doesn't know about immortals. Doesn't he? Surely not. Doesn't he? Why would he? I don't know. The show <laughs> has been very confusing <laughs> so far, so there's there's rugs to be pulled, man. I feel like Lad would get so angry at the concept of someone being immortal. Like, I can't kill you. But you enjoy living more than anyone else. So then niece and crew will show up and be all like, Hey, Jacuzzi, why are these two guys here? Why so serious? Yeah, why are these guys dead? And he'll be all like, I'm covered in blood. And then they'll arrest him. Uh, and I'm just trying to think what's going to happen with Schultz. Shane. Shane. Uh... (laughs) Every time. You're doing well, given how many moving parts there are. Shane, aka Lady that we know nothing about, but know that she'll live. We know that she's the daughter of Huey Lafourette, the man they're trying to save. Wait, do we? Yeah. Oh, righty Um That's she, all we know about her, though. She And we know will. she'll die tomorrow. Yep but she won't because we know that she's going to live. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we know that we we know that she gets knocked off the train at some point. Yep. And she's just left floating on a luggage thing with a with an instrument case. Uh she will go and investigate what's going on and they'll be all like there's a madman on the train. He beat down my buddy. Um, oh yeah. Lad Rosso will go consolidate his efforts with the other guys. And then be all like, yo. Well, Lad said he was going to go check on Lua. Yeah, so he'll go check on Lua and be all like, yo, Lua, how's it going? And they'll be all like, oh, there's some dead guys down there. So interesting, dead, eh? Let's go take a look. And what will Cheslaw do? Cheslaw... He thinks he can use Lad for his mysterious purposes. Yeah. Because clearly he considers Lad some kind of useful idiot. I don't know if useful idiot is the right word so much as useful psychopathic <laughs> madman. Uh, Maybe he wants... To have him murder something? Ah, the senator's <laughs> wife. Maybe Cheslaw knew something that adults don't, question mark? I, I don't know. I don't know these things. So then maybe he'll just go, Oh, I'm going to have him murder that jacuzzi kid. Right. Or something. Uh what's happening in 1930 with the oh immortality God. elixir? Uh, Does well- Dallas have it? Uh, yes, Dallas must have it. Dallas will probably take a swig and be like, "This isn't like any other liquor I've ever tried before." Uh, maybe yep. he has too much, thereby becoming becoming too immortal. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't just live forever. He lives ever. Forever in both directions in time. <laughs> so it's him and also him. Um, so maybe he'll drink it and then be like, this is shit. And then Ennis will find it and be like, shit. Shit. Old man, there's only one bottle left. Because we know that Isaac and Maria are going to get immortality yeah. powers. Well, It's alluded to when he gets these ear cut and yep. then it's yep. not hurt. Um hmm. Will Firo find Ennis? No. I don't think so. Oh, she'll elude him like one step ahead for this whole caper. Yep. Yep. And then he'll just give up because Miser will be all like, kid, sometimes you sometimes just Sometimes that's how it be. Sometimes the dame gets away. What do you think Ennis's whole deal is? She is probably the, I don't want to say servant to- Xylard well, she's definitely subordinate to him. Yeah, subordinate to him, but also maybe like almost on the same level of oh, I need to get this sort of sorted out kind of thing. Like he's the head honcho, but she is also a. Mortal. Oh, she's like his fixer. Yeah, she's the one who's making sure that the immortality elixir is going to get done. Right, why is she doing that? Because everyone wants to be immortal. Okay. And they've invested a great deal of money into this project and they can't allow it to fail. Now can we? <laughs> um, yeah. Great. Okay. That's pretty comprehensive. <sighs> so many characters. I feel like we're doing a good job of keeping it in order, though. Yes. In order that it is presented in the show. Yeah, but we, we you know, we, we circle back and remind people who's what as we need. Yep. Except Ennis, because everyone already knows everyone who Ennis is. Everyone loves Ennis. That character that's had three scenes and none of them have been particularly telling of who she is yet. Oh, man. Yeah. Great. Okay, so we'll see you next time on Jojo's World for more Baccano! in what promises to be an episode that highlights the character of Jacuzzi splot. The most pathetic being in the universe. Everybody loves jacuzzi. If you've Except enjoyed jacuzzi. If you've enjoyed this episode or others, consider patreon.com slash JoJo's World. Or consider telling your friends. Both of them really help us. You know what else really helps us? Leave us a rate and review on your podcast service of choice. You know what else really helps us? Drugs. Get us the drugs right now so we can sell them on the black market for mad gains. Anyway. <laughs> That's been Jacuzzi Splot. I'm Jacuzzi Splot for Jacuzzi Splot. And until next time, Jacuzzi Splot! <laughs> <laughs>